0: Patriots Monday and Friday, 937, WEEI FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the Free Odyssey app. Football Sunday is brought to you by New England Recovery Center in Westboro and by Kubota Tractor and the New England Kubota Tractor dealers. Time now for WEEI Football Sunday with Andy Gresh, Christian Arcane, and Mike Cadlick. Now, WEEI Football Sunday.
1: Well, it is a big one in New York this afternoon. Thank God for a 1 o'clock kick. I will sign up for that for crying out loud, where the Patriots will take on the New York Jets. Mike Cadlick is in New York. He'll be with us at 1030. That was a live, local, and late breaking change. Cadlick decided to uh, head on down to Arcand what seems like a uh, a rainy New York City. I guess it's going to be rain everywhere up and down the East Coast. A lot of games today affected by uh, weather. It's not going to be like a deluge or anything like that, but well, just enough to mess everything up. Just enough to make it sort
2: of an unpleasant watch. I was kind of thinking, and you know, with the with the tropical storm that was heading that way, I guess it died out around North Carolina, D.C. area, mm-hmm. uh, isn't really going to make it all the way up to uh, the tri-state there, but it's still not going to be pleasant. It's going to be, uh, you know, tough conditions, but I do think that that's going to change some people's minds, maybe about the over-under, maybe about the game plan. Uh, there was a lot of talk about just, you know, the, the Bills game two years ago and Mac Jones running Uh, running the ball every single time except for those three passing attempts it doesn't seem like it's going to be that kind of game
1: no it's not going to be that bad but it's definitely enough to make you think and uh well let's go back before we go ahead patriots ended up losing to the dolphins uh last sunday it was 24 17 was the final there were some uh you know some late game stuff with uh mac jones that i know people picked apart and you know for 2 weeks now it is the ah, they're just this close but it feels like this is a big gap that the patriots uh have to close and they couldn't do it against the dolphins where the Patriots' defense didn't get eaten up by the wide receivers, no. by the two main wide receivers. It ended up being more of the ancillary pieces that sort of beat the Patriots.
2: I thought what happened with the defense was they were very concerned about the wide receivers as they should have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are both big play guys, but you saw it from the very beginning. They had three deep safeties on most of those uh, sets that they were in and what happened? Raheem Mostert gashed them and that was the, the story of the whole thing and I thought I thought even if you go into it not a total prevent, but even if you go back into a very pass-heavy sort of defense, Mm -hmm. you got guys up front there and Guy and Godchow and these big sort of fat guys who I thought could still hold the line, and they couldn't. And that was that was an upsetting thing to see. But I thought the Patriots really got killed
1: in the trenches on both ends. Yeah, that uh, the 43-yard run was the real backbreaker. And the thing that really caught me off guard was exactly that, is that the Patriots couldn't control the run. They couldn't deal with it from a front seven or even a front six standpoint. And Raheem Mostert rips him for 18 for 121. Take the one carry for 43 out of there. He still chewed him up still pretty good, consistently. Good yeah, he had a very good day, and it was really the home run. You know, uh, Tyreek kill five catches, 40 yards. They did target him nine times, uh, and he did get into the end zone. Jalen Waddle with four catches for 86 yards, and then after that it was – a little bit of Ahmed, that Craycraft kid. What was it? On the drive that they scored at the end of the second quarter, I think he ended up having like two or three catches on that yeah. drive, and it was like, okay, or it was two. And it was like, all right, my work's done here. See you later. I helped him get down the field and sort of avoid however the Patriots were yep. rolling coverage Taking to the, back to the Marina.
2: <laughs> River Craycraft's done uh, for the day. Yeah,
1: it's pretty crazy. And uh, for New England, Mac Jones threw the ball 42 times. But conversely, on the other side, you look at 25 carries and 88 yards, three and a half yards per carry. Stevenson did end up getting the rushing touchdown. Uh, Five for 25 was Mac Jones. So you kind of take that out of there because, again, quarterback runs in many ways are arbitrary. Uh, but you got they are but Gresh that quarterback run his 18 yard was the longest play from scrimmage they had the whole game I know which is pretty crazy pretty Uh, sad but it's 20 carries for 63 yards overall rushing and for two weeks in a row now the Patriots have not been able to get the run game going but I can't I would also say I thought they would try to line up and knock some people back a little bit it still feels like. The old uh, Danny Woodhead, put three wide receiver on the field, run, draw, run game.
2: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think that what you saw from the offensive line was alarming. And I know that they were missing people, but they did get some guys back last week. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like this week. We'll let you know when the inactives come out. Uh, but the Dolphins, I thought, did a much better job of pressuring Mac than the Eagles did. And I think the Eagles have a much scarier pass where everybody thinks that. Uh, and the Dolphins, based on the way they blitzed and uh, just some of the matchups that they really exploited, I thought really made Max Life miserable most of that game, and they shut down the run.
1: What's interesting is is that uh, after going in and breaking it down, and I did this for TV that's going to air in Providence while we're on the air here, uh, looking how they attacked the middle, and it was really both guards, and I think it was more of the those guys haven't played, let's run some things at them and see what they can do. On one who had some issues, they put Antonio Moffey in the game, and the very first thing he did was give up. It was either a pressure or a sack to Christian Wilkins, I think it was. Just got beat right away. And then they ran some games at Cole Strange on when who ended up being taken out of the game later on, is that a pacing thing? Is that an injury thing? I know that there was nothing alarming on the injury report with him, but it felt like they had to spell him a little bit in the fourth quarter, but Miami just said, well, to hell with it. The middle is where they're pretty good. Well, that's where we're going to attack, and it ended up working.
2: Yeah, it really did, and I think that was the difference in the game. It wasn't like the Patriots were completely out of it. You know, They did fall into another hole, and they did fight their way out of it. They scored twice in the fourth quarter. There were some things that you can look at and feel good about, but all in all, offensively, it's another sort of example of, you know, just they're not in sync enough to be able to execute down the stretch. I just, they're I feel just like that
1: far off. They're it's that crazy. far off. They
2: can score, they can get there. And you know, when it, when it comes down to nut cutting time though, and they need that game winning drive or that game winning play, it just, it's, it's not quite there because they're just not ready. Well,
1: and what's interesting is, is that uh, upon going back, if you look on the first drive of the game, first or second drive, it was in the first quarter where I know that they ran some stuff at Cole Strange, and they ended up getting by him, and they threw a little twist in there. And they didn't bust that out again until the fourth quarter, mm. a version of it. It looked different, but it was still basically the same concept in terms of where they were rushing and the gaps they were attacking. And you give the Dolphins credit, Vic Fangio and crew, they were smart enough to sit on that and wait until – What turned into a fourth and two critical play at the end of the game? Ran it back there again. I know a lot of people were all over Mac about, uh, you know, not making a better throw in that instance. And when you go back and look at – that's why middle pressure is so difficult because it forces the quarterback – to go one way or the other, and whichever way they're leaning to throw the ball, that's normally the way every quarterback kind of rolls. Mac just kind of had to take a step back and make the best throw that he could. But you give the Dolphins credit. They were very smart and strategic as to where they attacked and when they attacked. Yeah, and
2: also Mac made those throws. Like, he stood there. He took a bunch of shots, especially yeah. in that fourth quarter, and he made those throw. I mean, they didn't win the game, but I was impressed with him. I was impressed with the way that he sort of handled all that and the way he was able to get those throws off and still have some touch and accuracy on. Huh? Them. Uh but you know you're just you're not gonna win games like that when your guys are getting rushed that much um, before we come off it and move on to this game today yeah the pop Douglas benching with a couple of days of
1: hindsight to think about that do you feel differently about it no I don't and here's what I keep landing on if you have plays that you can run is pop Douglas so specifically good that he's the only person you can run those with I mean if you look at the play where he ended up fumbling yeah It was a basic route concept. It was nothing special. So you mean to tell me that I can't put Juju in that spot? Or you mean to tell me I can't put Bourne in that spot? That I have to have that we're down to the point to where conceptually on offense, we have to have a sixth-round rookie in there to be able to run it? That's the part that bothered me. And the other thing, too, is we in sports want consistency. We love consistency until we philosophically disagree with it or the Patriots lose a game when Bill sets a guy down for what? The the probably 15th time since we've all been watching the Patriots. So uh, because it wasn't anything that, that Bill, it wasn't out of the ordinary. And I've got plenty of other people to run those routes. If Demario Douglas is that important that I have to have him in there to run those, then There are bigger issues with the Patriots offense than I think.
2: Well, I think those issues do exist, but I'd also say this. In the interest of consistency... Zeke Elliott fumbled in Week One. He didn't get benched. He got five more carries after that, and they kept him out there. So you know, Zeke, I mean, Elliott,
1: Zeke Elliott also has six years of history with three fumbles in NFL games. And Pop Douglas was trying not to fumble at McGurk
2: last year. <laughs> That's true,
1: All right? So I think there's a little difference in terms. Well, I mean, there is, if but a, if, if you a bench the guy scale, who fumbles, or you don't, right? I mean, well, but you bench a veteran. Tell me the last veteran that they benched for it. Tell me the last rookie they didn't. That's the difference is that Bill doesn't – Bill wouldn't do this to – Ridley, maybe? Bill doesn't do this to – and you know what? And and that's actually not a bad example because if you look at the amount of fumbles Steven Ridley had in his career, it's more than Zeke has had probably in his <laughs> whole NFL career. In fact, you could probably take one year of Steven Ridley. That was a habitual problem that ultimately they kind of lived with. This is about being a rookie. Now, the one thing that I will say about Ramondre Stevenson's comments is – His are out of context. He's looking at the Demario Douglas thing. And it's not apples to apples right? because the difference with Ramondre was he also couldn't block on third down. So he was going to get people killed. So when he, when Ramondre Stevenson says, Hey, I hope it's not as long as what I did. Well, Pop Douglas doesn't have to line up and block in the backfield. As long as he takes care of the ball security, he's going to get out there sooner. Whereas with Ramondre, he was fumbling and he didn't know how to block on third down. Yeah, But as soon as he fixed it, he was back in in week four of that year. So I think it's good that Ramondre stuck up for Pop Douglas – the situations were a little different because the running back in a in an era where we try to devalue running backs, we can compare him to a wide receiver and say there's more on Ramondre's plate because he actually had the block.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, totally fair. Let me just ask you this then: Do you think if Douglas played more, the game could have ended differently? I think that having him out there would have uh, presented maybe some matchup problems that uh, guys like Juju Smith-Schuster and Kendrick Bourne don't present, and that's not because he's so much better than them, but you know, I mean, Julian Edelman was a seventh round quarterback he could get open in two steps. If Douglas can get open quickly, that's important when you're getting the pass if, rush at you.
1: If Juju can't do that stuff or if Bourne can't so mix far. in, I mean, Juju had six targets, Bourne had nine. Again, we're clamoring, so we're going to make a mountain out of a molehill for a sixth-round rookie. That's what we're doing now, that this guy who has proven what? Nothing no, he's good so far. He had a good camp. He had a good camp. He made the team. Bill again. likes him. So you've got... Uh, and again, Parker had eight targets too many for me. I don't like that, but, uh, Henry had seven Schuster had six born had nine targets. Do we have to today then steal some targets away from the vested veterans to throw it to pop Douglas if he's that good, allegedly, which we haven't seen. And I'm a pop Douglas guy, but good Lord, what do we build? He's done. What does he have an NFL catch? Well, he had one that he yeah, fumbled. Yeah, he fumbled. Yeah. <laughs> no, he had a couple of But this the guy's going to change the game. Like, I just. Because uh, uh, why was Edelman getting open? Was it because Edelman was great or because they did a good job of calling offense? Because what is the difference between Troy Brown, Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman for 20 years? The commonality was the offense and that you actually threw the ball to the slot guy. So. I don't know if it's the chicken versus the egg. Maybe DeMario Douglas will go on to catch 110 balls this year and be the rookie of the year. I just feel like they were overrating a little. Like, I don't know what DeMario Douglas would have done on fourth and two that might have changed that last play of the game.
2: Well, that's a fair thing to say too, but also, it's not just me switching. Bill Belichick switched. Week one in the two-minute drill at the end of the game, Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't out there. You remember that? Pop Mm -hmm. Douglas was out there. Kayshawn Booty was out there, and maybe they shouldn't have been, but that was a decision that they made at the end of that game, and, you know... And both guys didn't play the next week. Well, uh, Douglas did until he fumbled, but... Well, there you you go. All right, then.
1: So, and then and Booty got sat down, and then now here's Devonte Parker. I don't think. Well, the they, point is
2: they lost again too, and the offense wasn't that great. I guess.
1: Uh, no, there's definitely that, and again, Mac threw for two thirty one, and it was kind of spread out across the board. I think what the Pop Douglas thing is really highlighting, if we're looking at it from an expectation standpoint, is that the Pop Douglas thing highlights the fact that Juju is off to a very slow start. Mm. And here's my question: What is he? They line him up out wide in camp. I mean, nobody played during the preseason, which I think every coach is now going to reevaluate the way teams have gotten off to a slow start. I just don't know what Juju is because when he signed here, it was, oh, there's your slot guy. We haven't seen him very much in the slot. So that's the thing. I don't know if someone stole his job or if they now look under the hood of Juju Smith-Schuster and be like, oh, man. We can't put this guy in the slot. We can only play him outside or whatever. That, to me, is what this is highlighted because the thought at the beginning of the year when they signed Juju was, that's the perfect guy for Bill O'Brien. And we haven't seen it yet. And if the Mario Douglas beats out Juju Smith-Schuster for the slot job, then that guy better have a role on the outside because if not... There's no place for Juju a to actually fit on this offense. <laughs> a lot of
2: money for a guy with no I know. Uh,
1: no role, and that's the <laughs> well. That's also my cautionary tale on everybody you know uh, uh, dipping themselves in oil and running naked through the streets for every wide receiver that makes like a great one-handed catch. For crying out loud, we got a lot to unpack. We will get to our buddy Cadlick, who is down in New York City. So, our can and I going to unpack this next. Is it just business as usual against Zach Wilson? Doesn't Steve Belichick and uh, Messi Mayo just know how to torture this guy? So do you just go out with the same game plan, or do you got to tweak it up a little bit? We'll get to that. We'll go to New York. We'll talk to Cadillac right now. Stiz is back after a uh, after a week of sounding like Lou Holtz. <laughs> Lou Holtz. I mean, good grief. It was, rough. It was uh, rough. Yeah, it was rough. Well, Stiz is back. He's ready to trend.
3: The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to
0: 10. Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI.
3: Trending is brought to you by your New England Ford dealers, where they are celebrating Truck Month. Defeat any task with the capability and technology of Ford F-Series, America's in-stock and best-selling trucks for 46 years straight. The Red Sox are now tied with the White Sox at one game apiece after losing last night, 1-0 at Fenway Park. Despite the loss, Nick Pavetta earned a no decision in his individual record as he struck out seven and only walked one. He gave up three hits and zero runs through seven innings. They'll play the third and final game of the series later today at Fenway. First pitch at 135. Cutter Crawford will take the mound for your Boston Red Sox. He'll face Mike Clevinger for Chicago. Will Fleming and Joe Stiggs will have the call for you right here on the Shaws and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Shaws perfecting the art of fresh. Cooper Boardman will get you ready for the game starting at 1235 with the Mass Mutual pregame show, Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. We're coming up on the final of baseball for the year after today the red sox will have six games left of the season two with the rays and four with the orioles today's the big day for the patriots and what most people are calling a must-win game against the jets the weather probably will be a factor as showers and rain are expected temps will be in the low 60s the pats have got the best of the jets the last 14 times the two teams have met we will be without three of our top four cornerbacks as Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, Jonathan Jones are all out. All the Joneses, all gone. Four other Patriots players have been listed as questionable, including Christian Barmore, Mike Onwenu, City Sow, and Cole Strange. Jets laugh tackle Dwayne Brown is also out for New York. A few great college games yesterday, as Ohio State beat Notre Dame 17-14. Oregon crushed Colorado 42-6. Florida State beat Clemson 31-24. Ole Miss lost to Alabama 24-10. And BC lost to Louisville 56-28. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on Weei and WEI.com. More Football Sunday with Gresham Arcan right after this.
0: We're back to WEI Football Sunday on WEI.
1: I'm sure that on Broadway, they're thinking, yes, we can't wait for this. And Zach Wilson, see how it stopped? It was like, oh, Start man. Start spreading the
3: news. Right on beat. Right on
1: Spread the ball around. Start Throw throwing some picks the picks today. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's time for your Cars for Kids storyline brought to you by our friends at Cars for Kids. And uh, is it business as usual against Zach Wilson? Do you just do the same thing you did last time? I don't know if this quarterback has grown I know you have a new offensive coordinator in uh, Buddy Hackett, who just sucked in Denver last year, and now he doesn't have his binky in Aaron Rodgers. But by the way, Buddy Hackett was also a guy who never called plays. He's another one of these offensive coordinators who like got a head coaching job as an OC, but never really called them. Right. Uh, but now he's got to call him for Zach Wilson and. It was just, all right, if we lay back, this kid will throw him to us. Still the same thing, or do you got to go after him? What do you think? I think going after him is smart.
2: I mean, he is, uh, He in the one game last year, he threw for 355 yards. So, I mean, it's not like he can't ever run an offense or anything. He did throw three terrible picks in that game. Uh, Devin McCourty picked off two of them. One of them was like a throw to the sideline. He was trying to throw it away, and uh, McCourty <laughs> picked him off on the side. You
1: remember that? It was oh, a, I do. Oh,
2: my God, it was ugly. And the
1: kid was almost crying in the postgame press conference. Yeah. That was the... Uh, infamous. We'll see him in two weeks, right? And then two weeks later, he was even worse. He got so, pants.
2: You know, that's uh, that. That's sort of the point, I guess, is that Bill does have certain quarterbacks that he's very good, and they almost always play for the Jets. Whether it's Sam Darnold or uh, I guess Sanchez got him a couple of times, yep. but it wasn't really because of him. Um, but you've seen it, you know, you've seen it over and over. There's some other guys now. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Justin Herbert. You know, always has a hard time with uh, with Belichick. He sometimes is able to zero in on some of these quarterbacks and really get to him. And I think that's the case here. One thing that uh, may be different is that Brees Hall's playing. Yep. And you have to respect that a little bit more. Dalvin Cook wasn't on the team last year either. I know he's off to a very slow start. Um, he's not looked good, but Hall has. Uh, he didn't get the ball much in that uh, in that Dallas game, but he certainly has. One thing about Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know if you saw this, crash, but they were asking him about uh, the Dallas defense, and he goes, well – I think I really overlooked Micah Parsons. And it's like, how do you overlook Micah Parsons? He's one of the best defensive players in the league. You overlooked the one main guy you have to watch out for on that team. I missed that.
1: Oh, my God. Maybe Hackett will overlook Matthew Judon this week. How (laughs) do you say that as... I mean, how in the world do you say that as a coach? Well, we kind of – uh, we, well, we didn't think the best about Micah Parsons, and then he blitzed us and pass-rushed us and made 10 tackles and just ate us up. You're right. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah,
2: Hackett, we underestimated Micah
1: Parsons. Like, why would you – <laughs> How you're right. Go how the, the guys hell to hell underestimate. Do do that? <laughs> I mean, that, and that dude has been on fire. He he is arguably He's the best defense. Awesome. You know what he reminds me of is when Khalil Mack first came into mm. the league. I know once Khalil Mack kind of uh, got away from the Raiders and then went to the Bears individually, it kind of went downhill for him. But my God, how do you uh, how do you miss on Micah Parsons? Uh, and then I know for the Jets, you know, Bill Belichick doing his draft games got highlighted this week by the fact that the left tackle that the New York Jets had to settle on when they couldn't get Broderick Jones with the uh, pick that they wanted to right. in the draft because the Patriots allowed the Steelers to jump in front of them. They settled on veteran Dwayne Brown. During the week it was, well, we uh, I, I trust Dwayne will be out there. Well, he's on IR for the next four weeks. So are the Jets back to Makai Becton, I guess, at left tackle now? Um, I heard it could be Max Mitchell.
2: I heard it could be Becton. I heard it. I heard it could be uh, Billy Turner, who they signed from, I think, the Broncos in the off season uh, as a free agent, sort of a swing tackle guy. I he's think the he's Calvin in, Anderson of the Jets. I think <laughs> he is. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm looking at our lads right now, and they have Max Mitchell there. I don't know if he's going to be the guy starting or not. But those are some options that they have.
1: That's the. Uh, that might be one of the places to attack. Uh, he covers the uh, Patriots for WEEI.com and is normally with us for the first hour of WEEI Football Sunday. However, he's down in New York joining us on the Harbor One Hotline is our Patriot guy, Mike Cadlick? And uh, hey, Cadlick, what's it like down there? Let's just start with the with the weather. How ugly is it?
4: It is ugly. What's going on, fellas? Happy Sunday. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice being out there with you. But uh, no, it's good. We're down... Uh, got at bet life and I'm actually I'm standing outside on the cor- concourse outside the press box watching all these miserable tailgaters because it is rainy it is foggy um it looks like it might clear up for uh for kickoff but right now it is uh it's gross sure.
2: um all right well if that's the case then Mike if it's not going to be uh good conditions but certainly not uh historically bad ones how do you think that affects the gameplay how do you think that may re now the strategy for each team
4: yeah, this, uh, I mean, it, I'm sure as you guys have already talked about, this feels like a low-scoring game anyway. Um, I know you guys will get into the betting angle later with the total. The total is low, but um, both teams, good defenses. Both teams, uh, as of right now anyway, far offenses. So, uh, I think they're both going to want to go on these, you know, long methodical drives, try and uh, – Keep the other uh, the other team's offense off the field, slow it down, score as many points uh, as they possibly can. But it feels like it's going to be low scoring. Um, again, it's not the the bomb cyclone or whatever the heck they were talking about <laughs> earlier in the week. It's not like that weather wise, but um, it, it's going to be wet, so they're going to want to. I could see the Patriots just trying to, you know. At least on offense, win the game slowly but surely. Score like 17 points, hold the Jets to nine, and then uh, get out of here with a with a win. And again, that would be a win because we talk about like this team being 0 and two, going to 0 and three. No matter what, you need to win this game somehow. And even if it's ugly, a, a W works. So. Well,
1: Catholic. I asked Arcan this earlier. We know that Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo were able to really frustrate the hell out of Zach Wilson. That's why the Jets went and got Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson's back in right. again. Is it the same game plan? Let him throw it to you, or do you got to change it up a little bit with a new OC and two different running backs?
4: No, I think it's the same same old, old-fashioned old game plan with Zach Wilson because, again, they, you're right. They went into the season with Rodgers, with you know a, a better, better, I guess, offensive personnel around him with the two backs and Garrett Wilson. But, I mean, it's still, at the end of the day, it's still the quarterback throwing the football. Uh, he's turnover-prone. He, As much as people might want to think that he's, you know, been under Aaron Rodgers' wing and been able to learn from this guy, it's been like three months, and now he's not even in the facility. He's in California, you know, rehabbing. So uh, it is the same old Zach Wilson. I think that's the same thing. You, you pressure him, you get to him. You put Christian Gonzalez on Garrett Wilson, and you make everybody else beat you. Um, and that's sort of going to be the game plan here. And I think, again, they talked that the uh, – Zach Wilson's throwing into those defensive meetings on defense. I think he's going to – that's the play, and it's going to make him try and do the exact same thing today. So, yeah, get after Wilson, and you should be all set. You
2: said uh, put Christian Gonzalez on Garrett Wilson. They have to because all their other corners are hurt. Um, How is that going to affect the secondary, and do you think that uh, as lousy as Wilson has looked in the past, there's no Devin McCourty this year. He picked him off like a dozen times last year, and uh, you're down three of your top four corners.
4: Yeah, that's – that is obviously the hard part here is, again, you're down those the three Joneses. Um, so it's Christian Gonzalez and Miles Bryant. And so this really feels like Christian Gonzalez's first true test because the last two weeks, even though it's been against Brown and Smith and then um, Waddle and Hill, has sort of been a rotation there. He's seen some of it and then rotated off, et cetera. Now it's, he's the number one corner. It's Miles Bryant on the other side, and they have Garrett Wilson, but then they kind of have everybody else, like Lazard. Cobb, uh, whomever else really have two undrafted guys. Like it's Garrett Wilson and the rest of them. So I think it's, it's the test for test for Gonzalez. And I think they, they like Miles Bryant, like the Patriots, like Miles Bryant, they like what he can do. I think they trust Bryant on the other side for today. Um, because if you, you let Gonzalez sort of again, take out Wilson and then you piecemeal the rest together. So we, you know, we always talk about Miles Bryant and everybody thinks he stinks. The Patriots <laughs> like him. Uh, he hasn't been as bad as advertised this season, so uh, that's sort of what is going to be on defense, and I think that's, that's going to be their run.
2: I agree. I think Brian's made some plays this year for sure. Um, last yeah. week, uh, Mike, we saw the Patriots really struggle with the Dolphins' run game, in part because the Patriots had three deep safeties a lot of the first half anyway and uh, sort of allowed for that. Uh, do you think they right. – do you think they really switch that up and try and uh, and try and plug up the run lanes and maybe allow uh, some of these receivers to get down the field a little bit? Are they going to overemphasize the run? Do you think today?
4: I think that that would make sense because again, you, I mean, you have those three safeties, but you know, with Peppers and Duggar and even Phillips, like those guys can play in the box too. So load up, load up against the run again yeah, with uh, with Brees Hall, with Dalvin Cook. guys I mean, yeah, you talk about those two backs and they're pretty good, but. Um, you can take them away with what you have. And then if you have even one on ones at cornerback, let the receivers run free. It's still, at the end of the day, Zach Wilson back there trying to get them the football. So uh, that, feels like, that feels like the game plan here pressure Wilson, stop the run, and uh, sort of let him try and make plays to his receivers. So, yeah, Noah, I'm with you there. I think you got to stop Hill and, or not Hill, uh, Hall and Doubleton.
1: Our uh, Mike Cadlick is down at MetLife Stadium, and he is with us here on the Harbor One Hotline on WEEI Football Sunday. So he only got 13 snaps last week. How does Jalen Mills fit into the game plan today? I feel like this guy's going to see some reps at corner. What do you think?
4: That's, yeah, that's an interesting one um, because, again, he was here um, as a cornerback his first and last – this offseason they cut him. And then bring him back on a safety deal, which uh, we, we spoke to Mills actually yesterday or Friday in the locker room. And he said he likes safety. He wants to play safety. He is a safety. Um, he said he wouldn't divulge on whether or not, obviously, they have asked him or put him in the cornerback mix this week. Uh, it wouldn't shock me to see that Gresh, because, like you said, he only played 13 snaps of safety last week. So if he's here, if he's active, you want to get him in the game plan. He's played cornerback here before. He has been your number one cornerback over the last two or three seasons since he's been here. Now you have Gonzalez. You have Mills. Uh, I don't know. It's, with, with Mills playing safety uh, the last few weeks, not really having much cornerback reps, I don't know if I'd, if I'd prefer him or Bryant there. But, uh, again, with the, with the injuries you have at corner, I could definitely see them mixing in Jalen Mills here and there, um, get him some reps. He's, he's been relatively comfortable there before, so. I uh,
2: wouldn't shock me to see him on the outside. Mike, you mentioned uh, guys in the locker room. We were there on Monday, uh, Jones and Mego and I for Patriots Monday, and it definitely seemed like there was a bit of a cloud over everything. And, you know, over the course of the week, Mac yeah. sort of had some, uh, you know, press appearances where he was saying certain things. Bill Belichick had the quickest Friday. uh, uh uh, appearance he's ever had maybe in 20 years. Does it yeah. seem like it's different this week? I know it's, you know, it's sort of hard to really judge that this early in the season, but it, does it seem like maybe yeah. there's added pressure this week that maybe you haven't seen in the past.
4: No, definitely. There is uh, so again, that Friday Belichick press conference was uh, granted. I've only been here for, you know, two, two and a half years now on the beat, but that was one of the weirder things I've seen from him because uh, Friday is usually, again, we've talked about Friday, Bill. He comes in with a smile on his face, greet happy Friday. Uh, you know, gives us the gives us definitely more of an answer than a three-minute uh, scurry off. So that was strange. Um, as far as the rest of the locker room, look, I think you know, we're talking about these um, these players-only meetings and what have you, and I don't know if we're really making a big deal about it or not, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you're 0-2. Um, you're going to be pressing to get a win against this Jets team. I think there's probably a little bit of a – well, if we can't get past these Jets, then who the heck are we going to beat on the rest of this schedule? So um, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing that there's this aura, but I think it's more of a sense of urgency. Like, all right, like Judon said, we're not a bad football team. Let's go get a win. No more BS. And, you know, let's let's make it happen. So that's more sort of the, the feeling I have is they don't want to, you know, dive into the storylines and give us anything. It's just we're, we're a better football team. We're going to go play football. So – I think they are. I think think that's what's going to
1: happen. Does the streak matter to either team?
4: It seems like it matters to the Jets. Garrett Wilson is the one that spoke about it this week. He spoke to Rich Samiti from ESPN and talked about how, you know, 14-0 and 14, and we can't have that. And I mean, I get it, and if that's the the rallying cry the Jets want to go for, then go for it, but every time we tried to broach the topic with uh, with people down at Foxborough this week, they ignored it, and you know, the Patriots, everyone, Belichick, they, they all said it doesn't matter. That doesn't help us tomorrow. That doesn't help us on Sunday. So uh, if the Jets want to use it, fine. I think the Patriots are much more of a uh, right now we just need to go get a win here to save our season. I don't think they care about the 14 enough.
2: Well, in that vein then, Mike, uh, last week Mac Jones was running for his life a lot of the game. Can the Patriots keep him upright against these Jets?
4: Uh. this is the one matchup that I've gone back and forth on um, over the course of the week, just trying to, you know, outline and figure out how this game's going to go because on one hand, this is the, this is the starting offensive line that they likely wanted to see when they made all the transactions and the draft picks and the signings this offseason outside from maybe Riley Reef at right tackle. The plan was Trent Brown at left tackle, Cole Strange at left guard, David Andrews at center, Mike Unwenu at right guard, and whether it be Riley Reefer or Calvin Anderson on the right, that was sort of the, uh, the potluck, if you will. And so now you have that going there. Um, but again, it's their first time together. And as much as you want your best players on the line, you also want some continuity. This is the third offensive line they've rolled out in three weeks. So there's probably going to be some growing pains. And against this front with Quentin Williams, John Franklin Myers, you've heard all the names, Jermaine Johnson, even Will McDonald, the rookie, wasn't in the game last week. But uh, he can be a force at any time. So... I'll be interested to see how that works out. I think the plan continues to be get the ball out of Mac's hands quick, uh, especially in, in the rain here. You're not going to want them to drop back and try and, you know, throw 20-yard seeds or anything like that. So I think it's going to be, you know, quick hitters, get the ball out in space and let a guy like, I don't know, maybe Pop Douglas make a play or two and try and get him to uh, make somebody miss. So it's, it'll be interesting to watch the offensive line, but I think they'll be all right with the game. Uh,
1: Cadillac, what happens today?
4: I am going to go with uh, – a 17-9 Patriots win. I think they make Zach Wilson's life hell once again. I think the offense finally puts together a long methodical drive or two and gets in the end zone. Uh, but, again, with the weather and, you know, the Jets defense being as good as they can be, I think they score 17. I think the Jets score nine. And the Patriots finally get that first win uh, off their back. All
1: right, Cadillac. We'll be reading you on weei.com And uh, are you with the Six Rings guys after the game as well since you're down there? yeah.
4: Yeah, once I hit the road, I'm gonna give them a buzz so you can listen to us after the
1: game as well here on W. All right, there we go. All right, Catholic, thank you, friend. Thanks, uh fellas. drive safe down there. Thanks, and Mike. uh one of the more and this is a real aside because we're talking about the construct of the offensive line. Mm. One of the things that people have not dug into because you really don't need it in terms of the greatness of Tom Brady. Right. But I would dare say there has been no quarterback who has been as successful with different offensive line combinations like Brady. I would dare say that if you compared him to guys like Peyton Manning and just think of the real all-time legends, right? Like, L.A. went to five Super Bowls for crying out loud. I bet you that offensive line looked different from the 80s to the 90s, but all of the different O-line combinations, that really is a true testament to Brady's greatness that none of that derailed him ever. And I don't know if we've ever seen a quarterback in the NFL be unfazed by that up front.
2: Yeah, and I mean, in 20 years, you're going to have a lot of different offensive linemen. But in fairness, he had a pretty charmed life of offensive linemen. It's not like he ever went years and years and years with no good tackles or no, you know, Dan Connolly and all these guys. I feel like they cycled through pretty well. No, Bummer
1: on the right. And, but, but think about know, it. Light, I mean, Copen uh, uh, was the only... Copen and Andrews were the only... Longtime centers. And with Copen, it was the early part of Brady's career. Yeah. But come on, when you hear about center quarterback combination, people in Indianapolis lather themselves That's up true. in baby oil over <laughs> uh, Saturday. Uh, yeah, over Saturday <laughs> and Peyton Manning. And I mean, think about it here. What it was Woody, Compton, Copen, then it was the Stork. Remember that guy yeah. for a while? And then it was what Connolly played a little bit of center, and mm. then David Andrews. Like, that to me is amazing. When when Brady plays with freaking Jeff Saturday for, what was it, like 12 years or something like that? Or, I mean, uh, Manning, Manning yeah. Work. That's pretty uh, It's pretty crazy stuff. Also, Dante was there that whole time, too. Dante, a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Now, that might be the real secret sauce. You're exactly right <laughs> because, uh, I mean, Dante Skarniecki, an all-time great offensive line coach hey after us today at twelve thirty-five, we will hand it off to boston red sox baseball and of course they'll be how are they from, doing uh they're hanging in there <laughs> okay here's the only thing people care about are what's they, the magic number <laughs> have they hit the over that's the that's what people are waiting for uh they'll be from the uh ford clubhouse fenway studio brought to you by your new england ford dealers where they're celebrating truck month Defeat any task with the capability and technology of Ford's F-Series, America's in-stock and best-selling trucks for 46 straight years. Uh, Coming up, normally we would do the keys from Coach Wiggins. Well, Coach Wiggins forgot to leave those behind because I brought him an Anchor. So he was all fired up for that because Fourier has got the anchor chain for when one of us drags us down on the parlay. Gotcha. And uh, Wiggs jumped all over it. So he got all excited about the anchor. He forgot to. So Wiggs will join us next on WEEI Football Sunday.
0: Now more of the guys. This is WEEI Football Sunday on WEEI.
1: Wiggins will be up in a uh, moment or two to give us his keys to the game. And then we will talk with Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston at 11 o'clock. And uh, since Coach Wiggs didn't do his uh, God-given duty of leaving these uh, keys behind for us, and we're waiting for him to call, we'll talk to Phil in New Hampshire on WEI Football Sunday. Go ahead, Phil.
4: Happy Football Sunday, guys.
1: Happy Football Sunday. Same um, to you, friend. What's up?
4: Uh, Mr. Gresh, got to tell you, I'm all for giving Tommy his flowers. Tom Brady deserves all the flowers he deserves, but you were giving him some that belong to Dante Skanecchia. That is the key to the, the, the uh, offensive line and Brady succeeding with uh, that offensive line being basically a Lego set. Dante Scott was brilliant. He was the best. And if we're if we don't realize how much we're missing him, then we're really missing. Him, you know, uh, yeah, Phil, I Patriots. love
1: I love Dante as much as anybody, and he comes on Gresham Fourier and all that kind of stuff. But look, it's normal, not get carried away here, Well, yeah. and there is the look at some of the guys that Bill Belichick put just in front of Tom Brady in principle, right? Yeah. Joe Andruzi, nice player, late round pick. Guy you never would think of. Hey, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a dude that's a part of an offensive line that wins three Super Bowls. If you look at and I know that we have a right tackle issue going on right now in New England, right? Yes. When has there not been a revolving door over there? Like, doesn't it feel like at most you would get to it? Like Seb Volmer by the end, he was legging it out to be able to just kind of be upright and survive. But, you know, when you're winning with, like, Tom Ashworth and people like that, there's no question the offensive line coach is a part of it. But if the quarterback ever decided to, you know, do what he didn't do here until the end of his run, which was bitch about it, they would have had to have listened to the guy. That's true. The other thing is... Sarneczky was here since like the eight. He's
2: here since I was born, forever uh, in 1982. And it's not like the Patriots were tearing it up back then. And I know he wasn't an offensive line coach back then either. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, when he left the first time, the Elmo came in and they won a Super Bowl with him. They did. So you know, I mean, is it Brady? Is it? I I tend to think I tend to lean Brady in those discussions. Yeah, it's just
1: and and again, the construct of offensive lines never get talked about. But ask like those quarterbacks, like I'm sure the guy. Like, I'm sure there's a year where Dan Marino can absolutely point out, yeah, man, 19, blah, 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 whatever it was. You know, I got my teeth knocked down my throat. Uh, Well, joining us now for the coaching end of things and his three keys to the game is our friend Jermaine Wiggins. Coach, how you doing, friend? Hey, Wiggy. Good good. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're uh, we're good. We're good. Uh, three keys to the game, friend. What do you got today for the Patriots to get it done against uh, Zach
5: Wilson and the Jets? Well, Gresh, you're going to love this. Like many great <laughs> coaches, it all starts up front. There you okay? go. So what you got to do, you got to do as a New England Patriots, you got to slow down Brees Hall and got to make sure you're taking that running game away from the New York Jets because they're going to try to run the football. That would be the number one thing. The second thing, Gresham, you're going to love this one as well. you got to disguise your defenses. Make it confusing for Zach Wilson. You know he's an interception machine. He loves to turn the ball over. And if you can do things to confuse him up front, he's going to give you opportunities for a defensive standpoint to make some big plays. And number three, another one you're going to love, Gresh. you got to be able to run the football with Matt Jones because if you look at the Jets' defense – their biggest, you know, I'd say they, they got a great secondary, but they can also get after it up front. So if you can do some damage on the ground running the football against them, it's going to open up the thing that I think Mac does really well, and that's play action. But if you don't run the football, it's hard to get play action. Those are the three keys that I got for you, Gress, and that's Coach Wiggins for you. There you go. Uh, one other question for you,
1: Coach Wiggy. Well, you mentioned about the confusing Zach Wilson and all that. If you were Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo – do you have to tinker the plan that much, or is it just being patient and waiting for Zach Wilson to kind of give it to you?
5: I don't think it's about, you know, tinkering that much, but I think it's something that, you know, every every defense already has it built in. You show 2 eye safeties, you roll down late, you give him a look because you know he has a hard time reading defenses, and sometimes he'll throw, he'll throw interceptions to defensive players that will be standing right in front of him. So you don't have to confuse them a whole bunch. But if you throw multiple things at him just to get him, especially pre-snap, I think you're going to put a lot in his head. And he just hasn't. He's not like Mac Jones. I'll give Mac Jones credit. He doesn't make a lot of bad decisions because defenses confuse him. But Zach Wilson, that's something that he makes a lot of stupid mistakes. And if you can confuse him a little bit, it just makes it easier for your defense,
2: Wiggy. You said they got to run the ball. I agree. I think they do. They haven't been able to yet, and that's including against the Dolphins team that got run all over by the Chargers uh, two weeks ago. Uh, what, what makes you think that they can that they can pull that off this week?
5: Well, I don't think that. I'm not saying that they're going to be able to pull it off because you're exactly right. They yeah. struggled to run the football even when that was in Week One with Trent Brown in the game. So, but I think the biggest thing when you look at this Jets defense. If you want to make some plays on them, you've got to be able to run the football. It's going to be tough, but I think it's more about staying committed to the run. And even when maybe those runs are only going for two or three yards, as long as you're showing that you're still committed to it, defensively you have to respect that. If you abandon it right away and you go out there and throw 50 times, then defensively they don't have to worry or concern themselves too much with that. And it'll just make things easier for Matt Jones.
2: All right. And Wiggy, by the way, thank you for that trivia question this week. That was a great trivia oh, question. Was a... It was a perfect. Do you know this, uh, Gresh? The I only do not player, know. the only player that's caught a touchdown for the Patriots and the Jets on Monday night football in the same season.
1: You know who that is? Uh, is it Wiggy? We're ta- we're talking to him. Holy cow. He's <laughs> the only one. I
5: like that. <laughs> that is that's a nugget. Know, I'd like to see it I'd like to see if that's like an NFL uh trivia. History question. I don't. I might be the only player to catch a touchdown on Monday Night Football in the same year. You know, on so two different be, teams. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know what, Wiggs? On I got a friend. Teams. I got a friend at the Elias Sports Bureau that I'm actually having them dig into something that I am interested in, kind of outside of of football, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna email them and see if they can do the research and see if you do. Like you know, Fourier is a part of the oldest connect TD connection on <laughs> right. record or something yep. like that. Does yep. Wiggy hold the distinction of being the only guy to catch a touchdown pass on Monday night football for two different teams in the same year? That's pretty good. I'll, I'll yeah, dig- that'd be
5: good. Find that out. We will Wiggs. Any, any notch I could put in my football belt. <laughs> I try to put hey in. Listen, there brother, you there you go.
1: Hey Wiggs. Thanks man. Thanks. Uh, uh, enjoy the film study. We'll talk to you uh, tomorrow.
5: All right, thanks. All right,
1: man. There we go. There goes uh, Jermaine Wiggins, part of the Greg Hill Show, 6 to 10 a.m. right here on Boston and New England Sports Original, WEEI. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston joins WEEI Football Sunday next.